Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us. Hope you had a good weekend. Here we are about to kick off uh, not only a new week, but wrapping up the month of April this week. We're, yeah, we're going to turn that calendar on Wednesday to May, and then, boy, we'll really start focusing more on this planning situation. Sometimes you just wish the weather forecasters would be wrong. You know, we often kid them when they are wrong, but, uh, boy, when they're right and you don't want them to be that's kind of what we have right now they were right about snow in places rain in lots of places as we start this new week off and it looks like that's going to be the case precipitation for a lot of the country especially in the middle of the country through much of this week we'll talk about that with dtm meteorologist bryce anderson he'll be joining us a little bit later in the program i want to talk markets now that we're about to get to may and we're still Waiting on the weather to uh, get the the planting done. How will the market start reacting any differently? We'll talk with Arlen Suderman about that. And, of course, lots of trade news to discuss as well. And this is the last day for public comment on year-round sales of E15. We'll be talking with Jarrett Renshaw, National Energy Markets Reporter with Reuters, about that a little bit later on in the program, too. So all that coming up to kick things off. But right now... We check the news, and joining us from Fargo, North Dakota, Rusty Halverson, Farm Director for the American Ag Network. We talked with Rusty last week about Secretary Purdue coming to North Dakota this past weekend, and Rusty was there to cover it. Thanks for joining us this morning. Rusty, um, what was the takeaway from the Secretary's visit? Well, good morning, Mike. Uh, the Secretary is in town uh, to have a roundtable with uh, leaders of the uh, area commodity groups, and uh, also get a little uh, preview of some uh, some technology that uh, we're working on here in the Red River Valley in North Dakota. But the main takeaway from that roundtable, I think, Mike, was uh, uh, trade, trade, trade. Everybody's concerned about uh, our negotiations on trade deals, uh, not only with China, but also the EU and how they say they don't want ag as part of the talks. And there is some optimism about our talks with Japan and, and the uh, potential that we have in that market. So mostly trade, but also uh, obviously the weather too, Mike, was uh, uh, heavy on many producers' minds. Now, he did have an announcement to make, right? Yeah, he did. Uh, they are discussing the uh, market facilitation program, and prior to the roundtable, the secretary had been meeting with some of the leaders of the uh, area area, uh, area groups, I should say. And uh, Nancy Johnson, in particular, of the North Dakota Soybean Growers Association, had said that they had wanted an extension of the uh, deadline for the MFP program because some farmers still have uh, their crops in the field, corn, soybean growers, not everything has been harvested from last year due to weather and whatnot. And so the secretary said, uh, we're going to make a little news here in North Dakota. And he announced that uh, they're going to move it to May 17th now will be the uh, new deadline for sign up. Well, so much attention now as Congress gets back in session uh, today. What will they do with the disaster package? Um, so that was uh Certainly, I'm sure, something that uh, was discussed quite a bit at your meeting over the weekend. Yeah, in fact, uh, after the uh, roundtable, there was a little media gaggle there, and I asked the secretary about his frustrations about uh, Congress not being able to get something done, not only for last year's natural disasters, but for our new disasters this year. And he was standing right next to uh, North Dakota Senator John Hoven and North Dakota Senator Kevin Kramer, and he said, you really want me to answer that question in front of these two guys right here? <laughs> I said, yes, please. Yes, please. But uh, obviously, uh, he's waiting like everybody else. And uh, Senator Hoven indicated that they will get it done this week. And if not this week, next week, he's very optimistic they will find a way forward. Oh, that's good to hear. Yes. Well, meanwhile, um, what about the weather through North Dakota this weekend? Some place has got some snow i guess right oh boy mike up uh, in botno north dakota which is near the uh, international peace garden right along the canadian border they got 10 inches of snow a little further south in rugby north dakota which is the geographical center of north america they got a couple of inches of snow but there were actually some no travel advisories in northern parts of north dakota today here on april 29th and that's frustrating in of itself 
That's even kind of late for North Dakota, isn't it? Yeah, it's not unheard of, but we certainly don't like it. You know, not totally unexpected. But for crop progress numbers from USDA later on this afternoon, I don't expect to see much of anything from North Dakota. Wasn't anything for the major crops last week. South Dakota, uh, they're behind. Usually they've got about half of their oats crops and about half of their spring wheat crop planted by the third week of April. That's certainly not going to be the case today. And I can't wait to hear your uh, your visit with uh, DTN meteorologist Bryce Anderson soon to see what he says is uh, on the menu. I hope he has some good news, but it's really not looking too good for this week ahead. Yeah. It sounds like it's going to be pretty wet still. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the forecast for just the Fargo area this week is kind of kind of yucky for late April heading into early May. Uh, we're talking highs in the 40s and rain today and maybe some more precipitation tomorrow. It's It's certainly not what we want to see. All right, Rusty. Well, thanks for the report on the Secretary's visit to North Dakota, and we'll see what Congress comes up with hopefully soon on, on a disaster package. Thanks a lot. You bet. Thank you, Mike. We'll talk to you later. Okay. Rusty Halverson with the American Ag Network in Fargo as the Secretary visited North Dakota over the weekend. Well, as Rusty said, a lot of that discussion was about trade. Let's kind of get an update here where we're at on some trade issues. Uh, China says it will not appeal that WTO ruling that found Chinese farm subsidies had exceeded international limits on government support for their agriculture. Their decision likely tied in, as we speculated, on the U.S.-China trade talks. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer and uh, Treasury Secretary Mnuchin traveling to Beijing this week for another uh, round of talks. So it'll be a lot of focus there. Meanwhile, A lot of focus on Japan and uh, people hoping, especially in agriculture, that some kind of a trade deal will be worked out with Japan and sometime soon remains to be seen. Um, Reports are the president saying they'll be discussing very strongly agriculture uh, as part of those talks. But it remains to be seen what they may or may not come up with and when. We'll talk more about that with Arlen Suderman a little bit later on, how the markets are looking at that. So really two... uh, Two hot issues there on trade, China and Japan. Some reports saying we could get some kind of a resolution on both of those, maybe in the month of May. And the other part of the trade situation we're watching closely is USMCA. We're going to start seeing some action on that in Congress. Well, the president and Speaker Pelosi expected to talk about that trade deal during a meeting coming up this week. Uh, We now have, of course, the ITC, the International Trade Commission's analysis of USMCA. That's been released. Uh, Mexican labor legislation is uh, moving uh, in Mexico. Pressure now turns to Congress. Uh, But, of course, you have to have the administration actually set this thing in motion, and we're kind of waiting to see about that. Speaking of Mexico, they are expected to vote perhaps tomorrow on changing their labor laws Now, this is something that U.S. House Democrats have said they need to see progress on before they would vote for ratification of USMCA. So we'll see if what comes out of Mexico this week. So a lot happening on the trade front. More on that a little bit later on, but a lot of people wondering when we're going to get more done on the planting front. Let's check in with DTN meteorologist Bryce Anderson next here on AOA. Stay with us. Throughout soybean farming regions, growers are going all-in on Ingenia herbicide from BASF. They know it's the most flexible and advanced solution of its kind for tough weed control, especially resistant weeds. Now BASF is going all-in on Ingenia growers. We're so confident in the performance of this solution, we're now backing it with the Ingenia herbicide weed control guarantee. And this year, you can tap into our expanded season-long Grow Smart Rewards program. Get cash back for making the best agronomic game plan with Ingenia Herbicide and BASF's leading portfolio of soybean solutions. Want stronger performance and profits together with peace of mind? Go to IngeniaHerbicide.com to learn more. Grow Smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, 
diesel that doesn't mess around. Keeping up on the latest in ag is a challenge to say the least, but there are experts nearby ready to help. You'll find them at your local FS. You can trust them to bring you customized agronomic, grain, and energy solutions born of the latest thinking. That's because FS specialists receive continuous training that keeps them current on the latest trends, practices, and technologies. So you'll get local expertise that's both exceptional and up-to-date. Visit FSSystem.com to learn how FS is bringing you what's next. Everyone responds differently to change. Some are frightened by it, some try to ignore it, and some are inspired by it. Poet has always shared a true connection with farmers, and like farmers, we see the world differently. We're inspired by change. So when it comes to the challenge of climate change, we see opportunity to make the air cleaner, to make our country safer, to leave the planet we've been given just a little better. Biofuels and oil alternatives, solutions for a brighter, more sustainable world. Get inspired with us. Visit Poet.com. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, clean water issues in this country. Let's talk about it with Don Parrish, Senior Director, Regulatory Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation on the clean water rule. What's the next step? This rule, which we believe is more balanced, we believe that it is also legally defensible. We also believe it's going to go to the Supreme Court. So there's going to be a lot of uncertainty, but I hope the uncertainty is now moving back near the center where we can live and operate our farms in ways that we're not in, in danger of, of running afoul of the law. It is going to take a while. You can expect EPA to spend a lot of quality time between now and the end of this year uh, preparing to finalize a rule that they can support. They've got to flesh out not only the, the decisions they make, but why and the rationale why they made those decisions. I think that is critically important, and that's critically important in, in making sure that it is legally defensible. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. A powerful threat calls for a greater response. When there's a battle, bring strength. When there's a problem, seek answers. When there is doubt, give hope. Not tomorrow. Not in a few years. But right now. Some battles must be faced together. Cancer fighters stand up to cancer every day. And you can be part of this battle too. Visit StandUpToCancer.org to learn more. Together, we can save lives. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, let's talk weather with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, like a lot of people, I watched the... the the Avengers Endgame movie over the weekend. Now we're wondering, what's the end game on this uh, wet weather in the Midwest? Uh, can you see the end game yet, or is it, are we just looking at more precipitation for the foreseeable future? Well, I think that that's uh, what we have uh, coming up, Mike, because over the next uh, two weeks, it is uh, pretty much going to stay on a, a very wet pattern uh, over the Midwest and then in the Northern Plains. We're looking at maybe uh, some uh, some lighter precipitation, but uh, still cold uh, temperatures. And to the southeast, it is going to be drier, you know, in uh, Dixie and uh, in the southeast, the deep south. But the the uh, the weather maker for that pattern, uh, upper level high pressure, is going to uh, help to uh, set up a stationary frontal boundary pretty much over the central U.S. And uh, so that uh, just offers the impetus for uh, continued uh, shower and thunderstorm action. We're getting it now in parts of the Midwest and uh, where we are receiving the rainfall. It is looking uh, very heavy, uh, moving from uh, eastern Iowa into the northern half of Illinois and then into the southern Great Lakes uh, with uh, more of uh, this type of development uh, going on for later this week and actually 
having a pretty big swath all the way from the eastern half of Kansas, east and northeast. So it uh, is just going to be a, a tough week to get things done, and next week is going to pretty much have the same general setup. So we are looking into the first two weeks of May before uh, there's any real uh, chance to uh, get work done over the traditional high-producing areas of the central part of the country. Wow. I know. I'm here in west-central Illinois. Farmers were getting as much done as they could yesterday. They had a little bit of a break yesterday. And then the rains came last night. We had like nine-tenths where I'm at last night, around that amount, and just lots more in the forecast for the coming week. Uh, and as you told us uh, before, not only we're dealing with rain in places, but still snow in some places. It, it uh, It's really something. I mean, uh, I just saw a, a, a look at uh, snowfall in North Dakota over the last uh, weekend, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, there were some uh, areas of North Dakota that had close to a foot of snow in uh, central and northern North Dakota. And uh, this is, uh, you know, obviously out of season. And, uh, yeah, I'm not, uh, I'm not just making that up. In northern North Dakota, there were some areas that had uh, anywhere between eight inches and a foot of snow. And, and uh, you know, that showed up in parts of Minnesota, several inches of snow, we know that Chicago had snow that was uh, causing some concern and, um, you know, an inch and a half to two inches of snow in the north-central part of the Midwest. So th- this is uh, th- this cold and, and uh, damp uh, scenario is, uh, is going to be really tough to, to get uh, the ground in shape uh, for doing field work. And uh, like I say, we're, we're here into the end of April with this type of a pattern. It's going to stay with us through this week. Likely it's uh, going on into next week as well. And the only thing I can see to really change things is just uh, the, the uh, continued uh, progress of the calendar into the uh, latter part of the spring season to where the daylight uh, is just strong enough that uh, by, by sheer force, if you will, of uh, the season, there is uh, some modification of the uh, cold air pool that we've got over the Canadian prairies and maybe a little bit of lessening of the um, energy that is uh, driving into the western part of the country out of the Pacific Ocean. But you get those two things going on and then the um, moisture flow around a large area of high pressure in the southeast that is allowing the uh, Gulf of Mexico to, to offer plenty of moisture to move inland uh, that uh, that just brings everything together for these occurrences of rainfall. It's a, a very remarkable um, consistency of uh, the uh, atmosphere that we're seeing right now. How unusual, Bryce, as you look back? It's, uh, it's not out of the question anymore. I mean, uh, we had uh, late planting and uh, a lot of these, uh, you know, similar type features. Uh, back in 2011, uh, the, the macro setup was a little bit different, but the, uh, the result was still the same. And then in uh, 2013, it was wet. 2015, it was wet. And uh, we had a little bit of a, a problem a year ago, but I think about 13 and 15 especially, and those are not very far back. I mean, just uh, four and six years ago. So to have uh, this... Uh, this type of a delay show up in terms of uh, spring field work uh, has not been a, a real out-of-the-question type feature over the past uh, five to seven years. Any uh, areas you see that may get some field work done this week? Well, I know that in Kansas, uh, the, uh, the uh, week opened up uh, last week to where there was a fair amount of corn planted, and uh, in parts of uh, south-central Nebraska, there has been some corn that's been put in the ground, and I think it's that you know kind of far western fringe, southwestern fringe of the Corn Belt, where uh, there's been a little bit better chance to do some field work. But uh, that's that's a uh, you know that that is uh, a sector of the total Corn Belt, and elsewhere it's hard to find any real prospect for being able to get some work done. Uh, again, in the southeast, they are going to stay on the dry side. So in Georgia and the Carolinas, uh, they're going to get along okay. But um, otherwise, 
when you go you go from uh, the Canadian border, you go all the way south through the Delta, and uh, you're looking at some areas that are going to be uh, pretty much on the shelf. And of course, that includes the three I states and. We're starting to see now that the trade is getting into that mindset as well. I mean, um, when you look back in terms of planning progress, Mike, for corn, since 1986, the average uh, corn planting pace by May the 10th nationally has been just a little bit over 60%. And I don't know that uh, that kind of a number is achievable for this year because particularly of, uh, you know, traditionally high-producing areas where things are so slow, and uh, yeah, we're getting some work done in some, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, kind of outlying areas. There's no doubt about that. But you think about the the uh, the central part of the traditional Midwest having uh, this kind of a rain prospect. Man, it's hard to uh, think about that translating into a real robust uh, look at planting progress. Yeah, we've been able to kind of comfort ourselves by saying, well, it's still April, but. Uh... We only have a couple of days left to be able to say that. So, yeah, when that calendar turns to May and it's still wet, that really starts getting people's attention even more. We're talking with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, I know you have a uh, planting update webinar coming up this week. Yes, I do, Mike, and uh, it's going to be Wednesday, uh, May 1st at uh, 8 o'clock in the morning Central Time, and it is free. Uh, so, um, you know, so we're, we're uh, wanting to uh, give uh, everybody uh a review of where we are and a look at how things are shaping up for the next uh, several weeks, particularly during the month of May. And uh, it, this all came together at uh, sort of a last-minute uh, basis. But, you know, considering the, the tough spring that we've had, uh, I mean, you know, we've had, we had the bomb cyclone that hit here in the western Corn Belt uh, back in March, and uh, we had close to it again here just a couple, three weeks ago across much of the Midwest, and now we're dealing with this uh, consistent round of uh, rainfall ahead. I thought it was time that uh, we, um, you know, give, uh, you know, a a little bit extra time from our standpoint to talk about this and to show some uh, key graphics that I think are uh, uh, helping to illustrate what's going on. So, yes, that is going to be at 8 o'clock on uh, Wednesday, May 1st, and um, we do have some sign-up information that's been emailed out, and there's going to be more available, but um, I do have uh, some notices out on Twitter about it, and a a sign-up link is available there, so I certainly invite everybody uh, who is interested to take a look and join us. Well, for those in your business of weather forecasting, you get a lot of grief when you're wrong, but right now, I think you probably get a lot of grief for being right on the forecast. Actually, actually, I do. I, I, I have been getting uh, some, some real uh, concerned comments from, from growers uh, just simply because it's, it's so stressful. And, and then going back to last fall, there was a lot of work that did not get done because harvest was delayed. And so you have everything just kind of piling up here. And, mm-hmm. and uh, then we have this pattern that has evolved. So it uh, truly is a real stressful time. And, and uh, you know, there's, there's uh, no doubt that that uh, right. it's uh, keeping a lot of folks up at night. All right, Bryce. Well, uh, we may not like the message, but uh, thanks for the information. We need it. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Mike. Good to talk with you. DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. We'll talk about market reaction to this coming up next on AOA. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Whether you're on the road or in the field, you need more than typical number two diesel. You need a heavy-duty diesel like Cenex Premium Diesel. It comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. It's the diesel that keeps your equipment out of the shop and restores power by as much as 4.5% and fuel economy by up to 5%. So ask yourself, if you could be any diesel, which diesel would you be? Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Everyone responds differently to change. Some are frightened by it, some try to ignore it, and some are inspired by it. Poet has always shared a true connection with farmers, and like farmers, we see the world differently. We're inspired by change. So when it comes to the challenge of climate change, we see opportunity to leave the planet we've been given just a little better. Biofuels, oil alternatives, 
nutrient-rich proteins. These solutions create cleaner air and a more sustainable world. Get inspired with us. Visit Poet.com. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Below average temperatures and wet weather being felt in the Midwest could have an influence on planting progress numbers from USDA later on this Monday afternoon. Crop progress numbers expected to show corn planting perhaps 15 to 20 percent complete nationwide with a wet forecast expected to keep progress somewhat slow. Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin suggesting Monday that the trade talks with China could be wrapped up by the end of next week. Mnuchin is set to travel to China this week for another round of trade talks. In an interview with Fox Business Network, Mr. Mnuchin saying both sides are eager to wrap up the talks. Cattle futures at the Merck were expected to continue their slide this week. Beef cutouts taking an unseasonal downturn last week with choice down 66 cents, select losing a dollar eight. On this Monday, an hour into the trading session, Live cattle April up 32 at 124.70. June down a dime at 114.97. August feeder cattle down 90 at 151.95. Lean hogs June down 67 at 88.07. For the grain and oil seed sector, corn futures July up two at 363 and a quarter. December up two at 382 and three quarters. July soybeans down a penny at 866. November down a penny and three quarters, 886. Chicago wheat, July down four and a quarter at 438 and a quarter. Kansas City, July at 402 and three quarters, down four and a half. Minneapolis, new crop September down a half at 520 and a half. The Dow up 21, June crude oil in New York down 40 cents. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you going to do? You're going to go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. you got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't. Because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, let's talk markets with Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for INTL FC Stone. Arlen, we just heard from DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson calling for wet weather in the Midwest this week and again next week. So we're for many, we're talking about at least mid-May before they can really get going in the fields again or maybe for the first time this spring. Uh, how do the markets react to that? <laughs> kind of a yawn, not too concerned at this point. We do turn to calendar the month of May, and that does tend to make them start paying a little bit more attention. Probably as concerning to me is not just the rain forecast, although I guess we still have to talk about snow the way this weather's been behaving, but also the cool temperatures uh, with the outlook looking pretty cool uh, for much of the next two weeks. We do get a little bit of a moderation in that coolness for southern areas of the middle uh, of the Midwest in the middle of that period, but overall a pretty cool period, and that doesn't allow drying in between these rain events either. Then we have all kinds of uh, scenarios here. Do we uh, see a big switch from corn to beans? Then we start also thinking about whatever is planted, whenever it's planted, uh, what's the yield potential at a later planting date? So there are a lot of factors going to be coming into play here. Yeah, and I don't think the market really feels too much concern at this point. Uh, they're looking at these uh, 
possibility we could have an ending balance this year closer to 2 billion bushels and say, what's the concern? I have a little different take on it. I, I don't think that we have that kind of margin for error in here. But I think also that if we got a trade deal with China, which now sounds like a possibility over the next two weeks, and if that trade deal included corn, ethanol, and DDGs, suddenly these planning delays would mean a lot more to the market. So right now we're looking at a perspective of what has been is what will be, and we have enough adequate supply margin for error for planning delays. I think a China trade deal could change that. Of course, we've been waiting a long time for that. Let's hopefully actually get it now as we go forward. Yeah, on that, we're hearing that they may be getting close to getting the uh, compliance uh, portion of that uh, worked out. That would seem to be a a big hurdle uh, to overcome to get it uh, finalized. So maybe, as you said, we've been we've thought we were close before, but it sounds like we could see some resolution here very soon. Absolutely, I was very encouraged when I heard uh, Treasury Secretary Stephen Mnuchin's comments this morning uh, on Fox Business say that. Uh, uh, we're basically are very close to wrapping up the enforcement part of it, and uh, that was considered to be one of the key sticking points. So that was really encouraging to me. Also, as I talked to our team in uh, Shanghai this morning, as, as they uh, conveyed to me that as they talked to their customers there in China, there is just the sense there that this is going to happen, that we're almost there. And uh, so they're behaving as if it will happen, and they're simply waiting for the green light from the government. I wish I could share their optimism, uh, but I do think that we are moving toward an agreement. I do think it's going to happen. It's difficult to kind of uh, nail down the timing, but then we'll get to look at the fine print of it. it to me, I think this will tell the markets it's not going to settle the, the soybean question, but I do think it's going to be positive for corn, ethanol, DDGs, and wheat based on what we're hearing. Yeah, there'll be, if it happens, there'll be the announcement. Then, as you said, you start getting into the, the details of it. Then there's the reality of when do, when do things really start happening from the agreement as far as the movement of, of commodities. Yeah, and we're getting late in the current marketing year, uh, certainly for wheat, which only has a month left in it. But even for corn and soybeans, so we're, we're getting down to the final four months, and so how quickly would China start to move? Their bureaucracy tends to be very cumbersome in starting to implement what agreements they get. So that you, first you have the sales, and then you have to actually get the shipments to get, to get the freight lined up. Uh, so I think there's some skepticism that we're going to see a big impact in the current marketing year, um, and most of the impact probably start in the next marketing year. And then we're looking at probably just a six-year agreement as well. So I think we could see some very positive things happen with the commodities over that six-year period and then find ourselves back in the same boat once again. Now, China did announce they will not appeal the WTO ruling that went in our favor and against them. Uh, We kind of speculated that might be part of the uh, overall agreement. Yeah, I think you're exactly right, and I think that was probably already negotiated. but that also gives us a good example of failure to comply with previous agreements. I mean, the compliance rate on, on WTO for getting into it was extremely low. And so I think that's one reason the U.S. team has spent so much time focused on the enforcement language of this agreement. We're talking with Arlen Suderman with INTLFC Stone. Arlen, do uh, you share the optimism some have about uh, maybe a deal getting done soon with Japan? Well, I do think Japan is probably a market that we could move quickly uh, once we really have the resources to vote to it. Uh, Greg Dowd, who's the head ag negotiator, said earlier this month that that we really need to get the U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement uh, passed through Congress because a lot of our resources we need for working on the trade negotiations with Japan are tied up with that. And uh, Japan is uh, where we have the greatest risk of losing markets. But he said we have such a long-standing relationship with Japan. If we can shift toward the focus on Japan soon, we have the opportunity to move fairly quickly on a good agreement there. And so I'm cautiously optimistic there and hope Congress goes ahead and 
boost forward with the Mexico-Canada agreement so that we can focus on Japan. Europe is going to be much more contentious and probably drawn out, though. So supposedly the president and Speaker Pelosi are to meet this week. Uh, we know that House Democrats are looking at the labor situation in Mexico. Sounds like there may be some um, movement in Mexico this week on that front as well. So things are starting to seemingly pick up a little uh, steam here on USMCA. Well, the, the trade disputes have long been a, a kind of a lagging factor or drag, uh, anchor on these markets and uh, creating a lot of uncertainty and a net negative for the ags. And so if we could start getting some momentum again, we saw just when we had the agreement last August with Mexico, there was some optimism and some money coming into the commodities. That didn't last long because then we started to drag down more into China um, but if we could get some of the momentum back, I think some of the fund money would like to come back in positively for the ag commodities. Meanwhile, while we're trying to get a crop planted, South America has a big crop to sell. They do, and uh, we have an excess of soybean production in the world. Um, I would say that corn, they're undercutting us in price for both Argentina and now Brazil starting to become more competitive on corn as well, particularly uh, for the summer months, uh, Argentina harvesting its corn now, wrapping up the harvest. Brazil, the safrina crop, will really start harvesting in late June and July and August. And so for those months, they're being very competitive with us. Uh, that's typical. Um, as long as they don't have a big bumper crop, I think we can absorb that okay. That's the big question yet at this point. The crop does look good. Um, but uh, it'd be a nice shot in the arm if we could get a trade agreement to start increasing our corn, ethanol, and DDG shipments. We'll talk again about African swine fever, the impact on the pork market moving forward. I mean, uh, how big of an opportunity do you see this for the U.S. pork industry? I, I see it as a huge opportunity with some risk. And, of course, that risk factor is if the disease would heaven forbid, happen to show up on U.S. shores. But in the meantime, we've seen this big break in the futures here of late, long liquidation. Market got overbought. It never goes in one direction straight without these corrections. But we still uh, see the same type of dynamics there. Uh, talked to our uh, team in China this morning. They still see no evidence that the government is making any headway in slowing down the spread of the disease. Hog feeding is still down 40% nationally, more than 50% some of the higher producing areas of the country. And uh, they, they, have, they also commented that while soy mill demand mirrors that reduction in hog feeding um, for the hog sector, and hog feeding typically prior to this accounted for 50% of the soy mill, 40% to poultry, and 10% to fish, um, they are seeing some increase in the poultry and the fish to partially offset some of that. But they said corn prices have been rising. Corn prices are actually, uh, corn supplies available to the cash market have actually been tightening. Um, increased ethanol production, substituting corn for food waste and feed rations for those that still are feeding are part of the reason. But uh, they noted that with the higher corn prices there, it definitely makes it economical import U.S. corn if we get an agreement that allows such to happen. Here we are about to wrap up April, and there are just these huge questions as hanging both on the production as well as the marketing side. Certainly are, and uh, I think volatility becomes more the name of the game when you have the funds with record short corn positions for the hedge funds. Uh, and the near record, almost record for soybeans, that leaves us a tremendous amount of potential. I'm not as optimistic on soybeans, although you could always see a, a quick uh, short-covering rally there. certainly leaves us more potential with corn. If I were an end user at these price levels, I'd be pretty concerned right now. And I know producers, uh, if they can't get in the field, they certainly, I think, feel a little bit better if the market reflected some of that concern. Yeah. All right, Arlen, thanks for the update. We'll stay in touch. Appreciate it. Thank you. Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist for INTL FC Stone. Another public comment period coming to a close today. This one on uh, year-round sales of E15. We'll talk about it with Jarrett Renshaw, National Energy Markets Reporter for Reuters, next here on AOA Adams on Agriculture.
Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private Healthcare is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready and health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35,000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612, 800-664-2612. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is mobile help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with mobile help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile help did save my life. No question about that. Call mobile help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. There's a difference between field experts and experts in the field. At FS, we're experts in the field. Our crop specialists are driven to maximize every acre and bring the latest agronomic technologies and innovations to your farm. Whether recommending the appropriate hybrid or variety, nutrient management for optimum growth, or advice on disease and pest management, our crop specialists are always focused on pointing your operation forward. So visit fssystem.com and let's get you headed towards your next success. FS, bringing you what's next. You're going to need me. You're going to need us. All of us. You're going to need our technical skills. Our math. Our engineering skills. You're going to need our help with your water. Your air. Your food. You're going to need our organizational skills our problem-solving skills. You're going to need our determination, our honesty, our compassion. You're going to need the next generation of leaders to face the challenges the future will bring. And we promise we'll be there when you need us. Today, 4-H is growing the next generation of leaders. Support us at 4-H.org. Everyone responds differently to change. Some are frightened by it, some try to ignore it, and some are inspired by it. Poet has always shared a true connection with farmers, and like farmers, we see the world differently. We're inspired by change. So when it comes to the challenge of climate change, we see opportunity to make the air cleaner, to make our country safer, to leave the planet we've been given just a little better. Biofuels and oil alternatives, solutions for a brighter, more sustainable world. Get inspired with us. Visit Poet.com. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. Well, let's take a look at the recently released Ag Census. Joining us to do that is American Farm Bureau Federation economist Michael Nevue. I think farmers have an excellent story to tell in terms of uh, they really are the original stewards of the land. And one thing that changed from the 2017 and 2012 census, and this is 2012 was the first time they asked this question. Conventional versus conservation versus no-till. Um, in 2012, conventional uh, was at the top, followed by conservation and no-till. In the 2017, um, no-till was the highest, followed by conservation, and then uh, conventional was the lowest. So you're definitely seeing uh, more farms utilize uh, environmentally friendly practices. Uh, additionally, one that was captured was cover crop. 
amount of acres uh, planted with cover crops increased by 50%. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Joined now by Jarrett Renshaw, National Energy Markets reporter for Reuters. And Jarrett, today the last day for the uh, public comment period on year-round E15 sales. There were some calling for an extension, but I guess EPA said no to that. Yeah, correct. I mean, uh, I don't think there was much hopes for that. EPA has been pretty uh, consistent on its position that they're going to try to expedite this as quickly as possible and try to get it in place uh, ahead of the summer season. It seems like they're on track, but the, I think, again, more and more I talk to folks, the more and more that there's there's more legal issues kind of circulating around that, that, that really threaten um, at least the short-term uh, implementation of, the, of this E15 post the rule being put in effect. Yeah, not much time left, only a month. Uh, what about these, the comments in this comment period? Uh, what do you think EPA does with them, and do you think it moves the needle much one way or the other? You know, I, I think the, 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 the really one thing to watch is that we, I think the E15 rule will, will pretty much go in unscathed. Um, there might be some tinkering around. It's, it's a separate RIN reform proposal that is really catching a lot of attention. And obviously there's a lot of people <clears throat> with interest because the EPA has put out a somewhat ambiguous set of possible outcomes. And uh, so there's a lot of lobbying and infighting about trying to influence how those ultimate rules get in place. So I think that's you know where we see some changes and where we see, I think, some uncertainty in what, what the next up are, is, is particularly in that section. I think the E15 is probably pretty safe to, to, to kind of move forward as is. Pending what happens in the courts. For sure, yeah. I think there's been some noise that we're hearing about uh, small businesses uh, uh, being upset about certain procedures not being followed, and, and that usually signals to me that they're setting up um, setting up a, a potential, placing a chip down for potential lawsuits after the rule gets into place. And their concerns at the, at the moment seem to be largely around the RIN reform part. So, you know, now you have uh, oil industry who's, who's said they're going to sue over E15. Sounds like we're getting some retailers who are at least signaling that they may sue over the RIN reforms. Um, you know, so you kind of see where we're going, right? It's uh, a scenario where both sides of this rule are, are, could face some legal challenges that ultimately slow down this implementation. Is the oil industry's biggest concern about year-round E15 that is that it is a bridge to increased higher blends in the marketplace? I, I certainly, that that's what they'll say in boardrooms. They won't say that publicly, um, but clearly it's a, it's a market share concern. Um, E15 will become the new E10. I think it's a thought process, so therefore it'll become a, a, the, kind of the, the staple gasoline that you see in most pumps. Um, and, uh, you know, at, 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 at go from 10 to 15 percent, that's, that's a big it's a lot of money. It's a lot of pennies and a lot of dollars. And, uh, you know, their job, I guess, is to protect that market share. Uh, and, you, you know, this is all against a backdrop of either stale or declining gasoline consumption. So, um, you know, so I think, you know, they see the outlook. And uh, I think they're just, you know, they're, they're, a lot of these are public companies. They're doing what's, I think, in their shareholders' interest. So the battle continues. Meanwhile, Jared, uh, you know, we had those comments earlier from uh, Administrator Wheeler about, you know, hey, rent prices are lower. That should impact, that'll probably impact decisions on uh, uh, small refinery exemption waivers uh, moving forward. Do we have any indication of that? When, when will we get more of a handle <laughs> or an idea of what they're going to do? You know, the latest information we have, Mike, is that uh, there was a rule that they put in the, well, they're pursuing about uh, revealing the names of the, the companies that receive and apply for these waivers. And there was a 15-day deadline on that rule. It actually hasn't even started yet um, for some procedural things. Um, so it was our understanding that they weren't going to un- unveil the 18 numbers until uh, they had the authority to re- release the names alongside it. So that puts us into at least um, 
uh, May um, before we can have any real expectation to release it. And then once you start, weeks start passing by, there's no sense of urgency. These things could just linger for much longer than most people expect it. So uh, today I'm pretty confident we'll see them next month. Um, but next time we talk, I may, I may have, unfortunately, I have a different outlook. It's, it's kind of a, a moving target at the moment. Well, and, you know, speaking of that moving target, uh, the target's been June 1 on E15 summer sales. I mean, even if they meet it, and depending what happens with legal challenges, one thing that all this has done, it's really, if you're a retailer looking to put it in, it's, it's hard to feel confident enough about it to go ahead and get everything done this year to be ready for June 1st. So it's already, in effect, even if it goes, it is approved for this summer, it's been delayed kind of indirectly just by that uncertainty. Yeah, I can't, I couldn't see a, a, a small retailer who didn't, you know, whose, whose resources are limited putting out the expense this year with all this uncertainty. I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I don't think anybody's pre- predicting much change in kind of ethanol volumes for the summer. I think you'll see some, you know, your E15 is always sold, you know, uh, for most of the year. So I don't know. I don't think you're going to see much of an uptick. And uh, you cover this, Mike. It's uh, The ethanol industry is in, in, in really bad shape. It just is. And, uh, you know, domestically, they need a shot in the arm um, if they want to uh, survive in, in its current makeup. And there's no reason to believe that E15, at least this year, is that shot in the arm. Yeah, it might be more psychological than anything. And the biggest boost might be coming in a, in a trade deal with China if it really opens that market up to uh, uh, to ethanol and to DDGs uh, with maybe be the big boost that we may get this year all right Jarrett. well we'll keep watching and uh see what happens uh, as that calendar keeps uh we keep turning the page here it's uh, going to get down to crunch time here soon thanks for the update and hey, no problem mike take it easy all right that's the national energy markets reporter for reuters Jarrett renshaw bringing us up to date on uh, some of the uh the energy issues, the fueling issues, and again today the last day for public comments uh, to EPA on uh, the year-round sales of E15. As he said, expected EPA to have it uh, in ready to go by June 1, but we'll see what happens uh, with legal challenges. All right, so um, these are the big topics of the day, weather and trade and watching Congress on disaster aid, what they may or may not get done this week. So we'll continue tomorrow. Hope you'll join us here on AOA.